We're Kenyon and Takara Martin, faith-based marriage coaches, champions for healthy love, and lovers of pizza. And this is the Ask the Martins podcast, where we answer your single, married, or dating relationship questions with practical advice and research-based techniques. Have a relationship question you want answered? Well, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Ask the Martins or visit us at AskTheMartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Takara Martin, and welcome to another episode of the Ask the Martins podcast. We're going to call this a bonus episode. In our bonus episode, what we're doing is replaying um, one of the sessions from our virtual marriage retreat, Covered Con. And we called this Husbands Take the Lead, the Covering and the Cross. And this is a segment where we allowed husbands the space to be human, to lay down their armor, and ask very vulnerable relationship questions as it pertained to their marriages. Um, and we had uh, four great gentlemen on this uh, panel. First of all, the wonderful, sexy, amazing Kenyon Martin, my husband. Second, we had Dr. Christopher Michael Jones. We call him our hip hop doctor. We had Bernard Williams, who is a dear friend of ours. And then another friend of ours from the Anatomy of Marriage podcast, Seth Studley, who is a marriage and family therapist. And him and his wife are just amazing. And so what we did is what we sat down, like I said, and we allowed them to have these open and honest conversations. And all four of these men brought different perspectives and different answers to this. And it was such a great moment for men. And because we're in a climate where um, a lot of times we're celebrating women, but we're not taking the opportunity to really celebrate our men, we felt like this would be a great time to introduce this as a podcast episode again because as much as we love women and we celebrate women and we want women to do amazing things we still need our men to be there we still need our men to be good we still need them to be okay in this world and so without further ado i'm gonna step aside step to the background and let these men do what they do and answer some vulnerable transparent relationship questions for the fellas if you're a man and you have a relationship question that you want us to answer, head on over to askthemartins.com and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get into this week's episode. If you don't mind, just for time's sake, I've truncated just a little bit of the introduction, but I want to make sure that everybody knows the power that we have on our panel today. Dr. Christopher Michael Jones, former multi-platinum music producer for names like Nas and Big, Notorious B.I.G., founder and spiritual director of the grassroots movement, the Love Mob, and serves as the 12th pastor of senior, pa- uh, 12th senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of Hillside in Hillside, New Jersey, where we had an awesome time yes. a few years ago. Um, Dr. Jones is a much sought after preacher uh, for men, organizational leaders, and church growth and urban renewal. Dr. Jones' partner in ministry with his is a partner in ministry is his lovely wife, Nikki Michelle Etheridge. They have three wonderful children, Jordan, Taylor, and Imani. Um, pastor, author, leader, and husband, Dr. Christopher Michael Jones. Woo! Um, 
fantastic guy by the name of Seth Studley. Seth is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He's a lead clinician in marriage and marriage and family therapist in Seattle, Washington. He and his wife, Melanie, uh, host a marriage podcast called Anatomy of Marriage. If you've never heard it, you need to get on it on iTunes. It is amazing. And where they and that's where they share a lot of their intimate and real stories <laughs> of how to fix their uh, year marriage after toxicity and unhealthy habits. They've also designed an amazing app for couples called Get Your Marriage On. Yes. Uh, Seth and Melanie have been married for 13 years. They have three beautiful children together, licensed marriage and family therapist, producer, and podcaster, husband, Seth Studley. <laughs> and then we have Bernard Williams the third. A you say third or second? No, uh, second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I speaking prophetically, my brother? We keep trying to get that another baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Um, uh, a native of Birmingham, Alabama, and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. I did not know that you was raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, as an anointed worship arts director, music producer, actor, teacher, clinician, and minister. Bernard was a top 40 contestant on Fox Networks's uh uh, American Idol in 2008 and has traveled around the world sharing his musical gifts, conducting workshops and working with artists like Shauna Wilson-Williams, Benita mm -hmm. Jones and Israel Houghton. He is the founder of Sun Revealed for uh, the mentorship of men on one hand and also the mentorship of all worship leaders, men and women on the others. He is now the worship and creative arts director at Linked Up Church in Powder Springs, Georgia. Um, Bernard lives in Georgia with his wife, Deidre, where they are raising their two daughters, Michaela and Avery. Worship leader, director, trainer, mentor, and husband, Bernard Williams II. <laughs> Thank you, sir. How's everybody doing this evening? <laughs> Great. Fantastic. I'm so excited for having you here. Um, I think for me, the power in the panel is, and as I reached out earlier, is that we're all husbands and that all of you can speak dynamically to what we call the cross of the covering. Mm -hmm. uh, not enough of us are able to actually give voice to the um, to what we carry. And it, it it is heavy. It can be heavy. And sometimes it can be kind of a thankless job. So we'll we'll get to all of that in just a little bit. However, let's go ahead. And if you guys are ready, we'll start with questions and go from there. Um, yeah. Kenyon came up with this amazing title. So I thought it would be fitting to start the, the panel off. Uh, everyone answering um, a simple question. Um, what in your own words, what is a covering? in a home and what responsibility does that come with? And so we'll, we'll start off with a round Robin. Um, uh, Dr. Jones, why don't you go ahead and start us? Dr. Sure, 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 sure. So first let me say, I'm so grateful that you all invited me to share uh, with my colleagues here in this wonderful virtual conference. And, and I'm just elated um, at what God is doing and continues to do through your ministry. You all are awesome. And um, I'm glad to be here to share with those who are um, connecting with us virtually tonight. So, you know, I was looking at the questions and, and, and wrestling with this idea about um, the, the roles in the home. And, you know, you can't you can't escape going back to Genesis chapter two 
um, and specifically verses 8 through 17. Um, and most, if not all of us on the panel, and, and probably uh, most, if not all of the viewers, you're familiar with the story about Adam, and you hear about um, so many preachers talk about um, Adam being given um, dominion and occupation. You hear you hear that preached often that before Eve arrived on the scene, God gave Adam dominion and occupation. And, and I'm under the impression, based upon my understanding of scripture, um, is that it was, it was not implied that, that, that Adam was to retain dominion and occupation solely for himself. Mm. Um, and, and the reason why I come to that conclusion that it was not intended for Adam to retain dominion and occupation for himself is because the word says um, that God made the decision that it wouldn't be good for Adam to be alone, right? And so check this out. The word says that um, God made up God's mind that Adam should have a suitable helper for Adam. Now we jump to the helper part but we forget about the suitable part. Mm. And, and the word says specifically that Adam was to have a suitable helper for him, which, which suggests, right, that you can be legally married but not be suitable for one another, mm. which is why God said not only does Adam need a helper Adam needs a suitable helper for him. The understanding understanding being that both Adam and Eve were to co-reign together, that they were to be co-laborers in the Garden of Eden. In fact, it's not until the fall of Adam and Eve where the original structure becomes distorted. And now Adam takes on more of a hierarchical role that really doesn't get fixed until Jesus comes and redefines what it means to be a husband, right, to the wife, the way that Christ is the husband to the church. So, yeah, so this thing about suitable help, helper and, and the role of the husband um a lot of people don't understand, and then with this, I'm going to allow the others to speak, that the role of husbandry actually refers to the occupation of an office rather than just a function. Mm. The, the people of the ancient world, that's what they understood husbandry to be, the occupation of an office rather than just a function. So when you said to your family, that you desire to be a husband, you were saying three things, that you desire to be the priest of your home, you desire to be the protector of your home, and you also desire to be the source of provision for your home, right? So when we say that we're the husband, we're saying we're the priest, we're saying that we're the protector, and we're saying that we are the provider of the home. And it's not, it's not one of three things. It's, it's all of those three things. Hence, when the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, husbands love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. 
Well, his understanding was to be a husband, right, is to be that priest, to be that provider, and to be that protector. Amen. Well, amen. amen. <laughs> I think we can all just drop the mic on that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, great job. Great job, guys. Great job. <laughs> What, what what about you, Seth? What 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 do around Robin and go to you? Well, first of all, I want to thank Kenyon and Takara. You guys do an amazing job. Thank you for putting on this event. And Dr. Jones, you you nailed it. You know, you nailed it. Yeah. And it was really funny. I was having a conversation with Melanie, my wife, today, and I was just like, you know, I'm I'm feeling kind of stressed because of all all stuff going on and with work and all this stuff, you know. And I felt like, um, like as my role as a husband. As a, I've heard it been said like, okay, a husband is a provider, a mm. presider. We preside over right. our household and a protector. Right. right. Obvious physical differences between a man and woman. We're going to be stronger. We do protect. We do provide, and we preside over the house. Right. And I was telling Melanie, I was like, you know, sometimes I feel like to be the strong guy all the time, I can't show sometimes what I'm feeling because I might, I might step out of that role for a minute and it makes me feel less of a man, but I know in some, at least a little bit of maturity and just a little bit of wisdom from other leaders and, and, you know, and God too, it's like, okay, when I do that, that's not good for myself. And what's not good for me is not good for my family. You know what I'm saying? So I have to be aware of those things so I can fully provide, protect and preside because when I'm out of that role, I don't feel like imbalanced, mm. you know, like mm. Jesus is the head of the church. That's his role. If he did anything else, it mm. wouldn't be right. And things would get all wacky and out of balance. And I think a lot of time us men, if our heads get loose for a minute, you know, which sometimes they do, uh, we can feel that we know something's wrong. So I got to be like, yo, I'm stepping back into my role, my God given role. And God knows because he designed us. So is my word better than God's? No, it's not. Am I going to try to do what God designed me not to do? I can try, but it's not going to work. So mm-hmm. coming back into that role, I guess, is one of the most important things, the provider, the protector, and the presider. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Boom. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. El- elder? I feel ill-prepared. <laughs> I feel very ill-prepared. Uh, you've got a you've got a, a pastor and a professional uh, podcaster on marriage, and and then me. I don't. I don't. I don't. I thought y'all were my friends. I don't, I don't quite. Know. No. Um, but um, amazing um, revelation. I'm over here taking notes. If you see me looking down, it's because I'm taking notes on. The amazing uh, wisdom that you all are, are dropping, and um, again, as as both of these great guys have said, um, how much love and support and um, just honor I give to Kenyon and Takara for putting this amazing event on. Um, the the one thing that I would add to the covering conversation is really from Ephesians chapter five, mm. where um, it says uh, in verse twenty one, it, it, the first thing it says is that. The husbands and the wives are supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, and then it jumps to verse 25. And specifically for the husbands, it talk, it defines covering for me as husbands are meant to love your wives just as Christ loved the church mm. because he gave up 
his life for her. And so to what both of these great men have said, and even with Seth, it's making that decision, that willful decision to decide that sometimes my personal interest isn't more important than ensuring that the promise of this household and the legacy that I'm responsible for is more important than what I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And and even in that moment, like when it talks about, um, you know, when it says just as Christ loved the church, it always reminds me of actually the Garden of Gethsemane. See, mm-hmm. I go before just the cross. I go to the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was having a conversation with his father and saying, yo, dad, I, I really don't want this. I, I don't feel like going through this. And then that big, powerful word, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Yes, and so then for us as husbands, it's our responsibility to look at all the situations that are happening around us, that are happening with our wives, that are happening with our children, that are happening within our families. And we can have an opinion, but we have to make sure that we're staying connected to the father and saying, okay, uh, I'm going to be vulnerable before you. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I don't know how to carry this. Sometimes I don't want to deal with this. Sometimes sometimes my wife is running me crazy. Sometimes I don't want to be around my kids as much as I love them. Sometimes I don't know how to deal with the bills that are coming in. Nevertheless, not what I feel, whatever your plan is, I'm going to execute it. That's the the covering that um, most men aren't taught, but only learn from that relationship, that true submitted relationship with Christ. Amen. That's awesome. Um, Before we get to the next question, I want to explore that a little bit, that, that area where we don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. that area where we don't really want to go into, how do we as men, and I know you're, you're getting ready here. How do we as men, as husbands healthily deal with, ourselves emotionally first of all coming to the fact that we do have these feelings and we do have these emotions and and not dealing with them monochrome and mean that it's either black or white but all the shades of emotions that we deal with going into that i don't feel like it and why i don't feel like it (laughs) how do we get from there to the not only the nevertheless thy will be done but also just the a healthy way that we can interact with our wives or even tell them that, okay, I'm going through, I'm having this moment. I'm going to get there to the, thy will be done. How do we do that? Or how have you, how have you guys dealt with that? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. And I think I answered that question in response to question number two. So I'm wondering if, um, if my colleagues may want to take a stab at it, because I don't want to blow the second question because I have a revelation yeah. that I think will add balance to, to what mm-hmm. you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Bernard, you mind if I jump in? Go oh, for it, man. <laughs> so so one, one thing that instantly came to my mind, uh, uh, sometimes our feelings aren't facts. Mm. You, know, you ever had a feeling that's like, you know, you're, you're going and it's like a snowball and just goes and goes and goes. And maybe it lands somewhere. You're like, oh, wait a minute. That's not true. I, I like right. myself up with all these crazy thoughts and whatever and would listen to, you know, wrong voices, negative voices or whatever. 
And so feelings aren't facts. So when I get in my feelings, like in that way, you know, like with my wife or kids or something, sometimes it's helpful for me to just say to myself, okay, Seth, straight up. Feelings aren't facts right now. Just take mm-hmm. them and go breathe. And that's just like a really practical step. Bernard, you were talking about, you know, I love my kids, but sometimes it's just like this. <laughs> I, I feel you. I got three. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's good to just take a minute and just say, feelings aren't facts. And then you go from there. Just take that pause. So I, that just came to my mind. I was like, okay, let me get that out real quick. Yeah. That, I 100% agree with that. And um, I think the other <clears throat> the other side of that is, and one of the things you said, Seth, is that sometimes it can be really difficult for us because how do I say this? I don't, for me, my feelings will then begin to overtake me when I don't feel like I have a safe place mm. to at least say what I'm dealing with. That's you know? good. And so being able to understand that being the king doesn't mean that I have to be a statue. That's right. But I'm still responsible. Right. Um, one of the things that my wife and I have really worked on is um, making sure that I have a safe space to kind of say, okay, I know I'm responsible, but I need to get this out of my head and out of my heart. And now we're going to go trust God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that that's one of the biggest things, because I know for a lot of guys, uh, some of you may, you know, uh, some of us can be emotional. Some of us aren't, but all of us have emotions that we don't necessarily know how to deal with. That's right. Understanding that you are an emotional being and that those emotional emotions can drive you if you don't put them in check can lead to some really crazy stuff. And so um, making sure that you're creating spaces where you can open yourself, you can communicate in safe spaces helps me uh, tremendously as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, I'll, I'll jump in then to the first question that we have. Um, Somebody asked, what is your take on gender roles in marriage from a biblical perspective? Anybody who wants to jump on in, y'all go ahead. Um, I'm very interested. Why do you submit? <laughs> Just joking, y'all. Please don't hate me. Like, oh, no, his camera got disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Oh, no. <laughs> Um, um, oh, no, no, no. I, I want to leave the floor open. Oh. So I, I can jump in if, if no one else wants to jump in. I, I think that um, the Bible was very clear in stating God's um, original intent to, to populate the earth. And to establish dominion was through the institution of marriage mm-hmm. between Adam and Eve. That's that's what the biblical witness suggests, that God intended for Adam and Eve to to to, to reign and to take dominion over the earth through the institution of marriage. Now, going back to what I said earlier, the original intent was not for Adam to lord over Eve. Mm. The original intent was for Adam and Eve to be 
co-laborers in their rain ship. Mm. And it wasn't until the fall of Adam and Eve and the introduction of sin that the roles that God originally intended for the institution of marriage became distorted and became hierarchical. Whereas now Adam is over Eve rather than reigning side by side with Eve, if that makes any sense. Yes, sir. Awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I believe in, in the, the, the biblical directions for marriage, it's very clear about the roles. And when we let our own, you know, back to those feelings, get in the way of that stuff, or she said this and she can't do that. That's when we get in trouble, you know, but yeah. I, I like to go back to uh, what I was saying earlier. If I try to be something that God didn't design me to be, Right. And start going sideways, you know, like the things that I'm naturally better at, I'm just naturally better at, you know, and most of those things are, are what the Bible says about marriage, like provide, preside and protect, you know. Now, I think where it gets goofy sometimes is, you know, in this modern age and it's not like it you should be, you know, way back in the Bible. It's like, oh, well, the, the, the man is the only one that can do this. You know, <laughs> the woman is the only one that ever, ever should do this, you know. But I'll be real. Um, I'm a way better cook than Melanie. Amen. Right. But, all right. I, I cook more than her. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. You know. And and that's just that's just the way it is. Now, is that unbiblical? No. You know. That's that's not at all. Um, plus, I like to do it. So we get we get goofy if we're like, uh, oh well, you you can't work. You got to stay at home. You did you do this. You absolutely can't do that. Right. And that's me lording over her. That's not me being side by side to her. So it's when I, when I get out of my role and she gets out of her role, that's when we've had conflict in the past, you know, and I think a lot of couples do that same thing. too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think another way um, we're all saying the same thing. And so I think the best way to define gender roles is that they aren't, is that the roles aren't defined by gender. It's divine. It's defined by the purpose of the house. Mm, mm, that's good. And so if, that's good. If a man and a wife are together, then whatever they bring to the table to be able to complete what God's intention is for that union and right. for that family, That's whatever right. it takes to make that happen, go for it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and the responsibility of the man of the husband and the wife are to support each other in making that happen and making each other better than what they're already graced to do. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I, I think here, here's I love the, I, the the theme that we're not there to lord over yeah. we're not there to overrun. And one of the things that come to mind, excuse me, is, is being former Air Force is the hierarchy of the Air Force and where you have an officer who is just by the hierarchy. The officer is responsible is accountable for the unit for me for, for the flight or for the squadron. Mm-hmm. Um, but a newer officer who might be accountable, say a second Lieutenant will still yield to a senior non-commissioned officer who they're accountable for, for their wisdom and their guidance. Amen. 
And so what happens is, is that you have uh, um, them working in tandem or working mm-hmm. together without the fear of being misplaced, displaced or replaced. Ah. And so that's where I start seeing the 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 power of of of, of being uh, of gender roles, of understanding where we stand and why we have these roles as a hierarchy, but not as an oppressive premise for how we deal with our homes. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. That's and I love that. I love that we are representing it's like we're it's in unison that we're all representing that same thing. We do what we do well and whatever we don't do well, give it to them. Um, I have I have something to say on that cooking thing, but I'm gonna keep it moving because you know we we have time. <laughs> what does respect mean to you, and how does a man gain the respect of his family as the leader? Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in on this first. I really I enjoyed I enjoyed um, uh, meditating upon this question because you know the context that I that I come from. You know, when you're young in the church, you're taught that, you know, the wife is supposed to respect you. And, you know, no matter how raggedy you may be, <laughs> right, they, they teach you in the church, the, the wife's supposed to respect you, that Ephesians 5 and 33, right? Mm-hmm. Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus in one of his pastoral um, 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 words of counsel to the church was that the wives were supposed to uh, respect their husband. And, and and the church has done a disservice to the body of Christ because we have we have um, taught what Paul meant regarding respect incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why we have taught what Paul had suggested to the church of Ephesus incorrectly is because we're kind of not familiar with the original Greek language. Um, and, and Paul was a master of words. He was a wordsmith. So when he would use a particular word to describe um, a noun or a verb or an adjective, he did it for a specific reason. So now it's interesting that when, when Paul talks about respect in Ephesians 5 and 33, he uses the Greek word phobatai, phobatai, P-H-O. B-E-T-A-I, phobatai. And the word phobatai means to revere or to be astonished. Now, now get this. Phobatai um, actually has nothing to do with what someone possesses, Mm. nor does it have anything to do with an individual's title or their measure of influence in any given community or village. Now, that's that's really important, right? Because the church has taught that a respect a respectable man is someone who brings home the bacon, someone you know who has a degree, um, someone who um, wields uh, influence, you know, someone who is um, well known and well accomplished. Well, that's not what Paul was really getting at when Paul used the word phobatai, 
Um, he was thinking more about the wives being showing re reverence and being astonished by the husband's acts of love um, and acts of kindness mm. and, and, and acts of patience and, and empathy and, 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 and you know, showing uh, a, a commitment to prayer and, and, and being not just physically present in the home, but also being spiritually present in the home, right? Because Paul believed that when the husband commits himself consistently to acts of kindness, to acts of love, to acts of compassion, those are the kinds of traits that elicit reverence in the heart of the wife. Mm. It's not about the money, men. Mm -hmm. It's not about the title, it's not about the material things that you possess. It's it's really all about the acts of kindness, the love, the compassion, and, and having a, a ministry of presence in the home and in the marriage. Those yeah. are the character traits that elicit astonishment in the heart of the husband when she sees him coming home. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is there like a virtual plate that we just... I mean, we got his cash <laughs> app over here. We just going to send him all the offerings. <laughs> wow. That's powerful, and I, and, and I didn't know that. But I, I will say this. I am... Um, Takara is not my first marriage. And while the previous marriage did end, um, I would say something that she did. This is a safe space, honey. You can be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, no. Something that she did. But the, the thing is, I want to be honest about um, what I'm accountable for. Right. You mm. know what I'm and the part that I played in, in that destruction was mm. exactly what you did, what, what you said, Dr. Jones. It was exactly what you said. Mm. I said, I'm the man. Yeah. God says I'm the man. Yeah. You what God say, and you make me the man. Yeah. Instead of me just being the man. Yeah. Instead yeah. of me loving and being compassionate and empathizing and doing all those things that you just laid out so eloquently, I, I made those mistakes. Yeah. So I can tell you firsthand what it looks like to beat up your wife with your masculinity that you think that God threw on her. Right. And then I can tell you firsthand what it looks like to be healed from that and mm -hmm. to love your wife regardless yeah. of whatever the issue is or whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm bringing home, uh, what, how much ever bacon I got <laughs> right. or whatever the case may be. I can tell you firsthand yeah. what it what it is to do that type thing. So I appreciate it. Man, I, I appreciate it that I really did. Amen. Amen. Man, man, man. Any, how about you other guys? You know, yeah. what other arena does a man go in and just demand respect? Do I walk, do I walk up in my job and say, I'm right. Do I go walking down the streets and, gay, and say, come on, you know, show, show me respect? No. So why do we think we should do that in the church and especially with our wives? And one of the things that I came to my mind was like, if you want respect, be respectable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right respectable things earn it 
she doesn't owe me anything. She owes things to God. Yeah, yeah. To earn her love, her respect, her time, her compassion, all these things. So you got to earn it, you know, because I've never been anywhere else except in the church and talking to other men where men think that they just automatically deserve stuff. And that's not how it goes. That's absolutely not how it goes. Absolutely, absolutely not. And I'll, I'll just because I only got a little smidge to add to that. Because if you do that in any other arena, they fire you. Right. Yeah. Woo, talk, sir. <laughs> and so, if you try to do that in your marriage, your marriage somehow will e- begin the process of ejecting you because yeah. you haven't done what's necessary to to build that rapport. Mm-hmm. That, that's so wow. That's big, man. Oh, I'm just learning so much. Wow. <laughs> this is great. Like, I, I am so, yeah, wow, this is awesome. Well, let's jump to that next question because I feel like it's going to fall right in line, especially as we talked about the, you know, the breadwinning. Um, this question says, listen, due to COVID, my wife is now the primary breadwinner. And every day I, f- I feel like she will no longer need me. How do I get my wife to understand my weaknesses or tender areas around this when I'm typically a strong man? Wow. Such a great question. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyone? I'll, I'll start it because I know I know after um, after Pastor Chris talks, like there's nothing else to say. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing else to say. And after Seth talks, there's nothing else to say. So I'll go at it from the emotional guy perspective. Hmm. Um, and I said it earlier, but I'll say it again and I'll say it again and I'll say it again. There is I have learned that there is no more powerful place to be in your relationship with your wife than to be the guy that lets his guard down and lets his heart speak. Yeah. And being a, and, and as difficult as it is for guys to do that, a because of our DNA be because of societal pressures and the way we've been programmed mm-hmm. your wife. I know my wife, I use mine as, as the example. Um, my wife appreciates so much more. If I sit down and actually tell her what my fears are, what my mm. challenges are, what mm. my struggles are. Mm. And we walk through things together. It's when we walk through things together that even if she's making more money, she gives me, watch this last question, more respect. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I've done something that's worth the respect as opposed to trying to lord over her. And mm-hmm. so I, I really encourage uh, my brother, um, just have the conversation. Because then the other side of it, sorry, is that if you sit down and have that conversation, and she doesn't respond well to it, then it lets you know that there's a major area to work on within your marriage. Mm-hmm. So good. Because she should be your safe space, mm-hmm. not just your bank. Mm-hmm. My God. Absolutely. That's powerful. I'm thinking of, of, of other, because usually as a therapist, you know, we, we never take like the face value of something. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the only problem. We like to dig a little bit deeper, you know, and there's always something deeper. So I'd be like, hey, I want you guys to talk about communication issues and even trust issues, because if if you can't be if if you can't be yourself with your wife, then you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard marriage and a, not only a hard marriage, but a not as fulfilling marriage, too. You know, I mean, uh, like Pastor Chris said, like 
she is your helper, you're the leader, it's like then then you're not getting that help. You're just flying solo. You know, if I can't talk to my wife in a good way, I'm just like, okay, I'm flying this plane alone. Mm. I could get your help. God wants me to get your help, but I'm not. You know, you, you got to take a deep look in yourself and say, hey, what's going on here? You know, yeah. and I encourage this, this man to do that because uh, that's a hard spot to be. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, r- real quick, I, I think one of the bigger issues why this is such a big question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought we just talked about roles. We talked about respect and uh, there mm-hmm. is this, this thought f- uh, amongst us men about what men do. Yes. Right? About what we're supposed to be. Yes. But at the same time, when we get broken of that thought, um, women are taught the same thing simultaneously. Yes. Yes. And so we have wives who have these expectations that when we don't meet them, they feel like sometimes in some ways may feel we might feel like they think we're less men. Yeah. So while we still feel like men, for instance, um, you know, if, if we go back towards what I was taught or what some men were taught, yeah. men make the most money. So it's all about money. It's all about athletic or some kind of um, form of competition. And it's all about sex. And so if if we lose any of those, then perhaps our manhood is in question. If we lose any, the head of any of those, then perhaps our manhood is in question. But now we're in a time where women can make just as much or more money. We're in a time where men are, where women can be competitive and, and, and do well. And we're in a time where women may want and require more than just good sex. So if those things disappear, what makes us men? Yeah. And I think that's where, that's the area where, um, this gentleman has to be, begin to, 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 to live. I am a man, even if I'm not, even if I don't make as much as her, but she also has to live in that area. Yes. Because even if he's healed of that mindset, right. He's not. Then now he still feels the weight of her criticism upon him, not meeting her expectation. That's good. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, I, I, and this I, for both of them. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so I can't help but think about the story of, of, of Abram, mm-hmm. um, who became Abraham over a lifetime. And in this thought that Abraham wasn't always up, his money wasn't always right. Mm. Right? He 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 always didn't have financial security. In fact, you all know the story of Abraham. There were moments in, in, in their life journey together, Abram and Sarai, where, where they, they separated. Um, uh, other women entered into the home. Huh? They, they had financial issues, spiritual issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were moving from hood to hood. <laughs> so, so the question becomes then, well, what does it mean to be a husband when you're facing all of these realities that were similar to the realities that Abraham faced? And I can't help but go back to the thought that I suggested earlier that husbandry is an off function. 
And, and here's where I really want the men to, to get this and understand this. Yes, it is true that as a husband, you are called to be priest. Um, you are called to be the protector and the, the provider. But it's also the case that only Jesus has the capacity to be all three of those things all at the same time forever. Mm -hmm. So what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is you can be low in provision, but be high in prayer and protection. Mm. My God. You can be low in money for a season, but still be high in kindness and emotional support to your wife, right? Just, just because your money is tight doesn't mean that your heart has to be tight. Right. Just because your finances are low doesn't mean that your prayer life has to be low. So going back to what Brother Martin said, um, being called to the office of husbandry doesn't just include um, always having your finances in the the level of proficiency that you that you desire or you expect in those seasons where the money is low you can still be priest and you can still be provider um, uh, to to your home protector I should say to your home only Christ has the ability to be all three things all at the same time forever <laughs> only Christ can Jesus. There will be seasons when the husband will be a great priest. There will be seasons when he will be a great provider. And there will be seasons where he'll be, he will be a great protect, protector. And, and maybe on occasion, he'll be great at all three, all at the same time. But in regards to consistency, that's why we got to lean on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. Oh, that's good. Okay. I'm sorry, Pastor Jones. The other thing to throw out to guys, and I know that this guy's question was specific to this, but what you said there was so powerful that I wanted, I just heard the other side of it as well, that even in the season where you are a great provider, it does not negate that you need to do the work to be a great priest. That's correct. To be a great protector. Right. Or, or to be a, a great, to, to lift up prayer. Because right. so many of us, um, so many of us have been trained and taught as long as I'm providing, you right. should be okay. That's right. right. Understanding all three of those areas is such a powerful balance. That's and right. One of them is bigger than the other. Amen. Absolutely. I've had couples come in where the husband's making all this money, he's just making bank, but the wife is there, but she's like, I don't care how big my ring is, I don't care what kind of car I drive. You're not home with the kids. You're not pouring into me. So money doesn't mean anything. And then we have to go through that and get the husband back on track. So mm, that's mm -hmm. good. That makes sense. This, is, this is your, your, book, your book comes out when? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> sir. no sir. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> wow. Okay. Do it, Amen. Do it, Lord. <laughs> I receive it, though. I receive it. Man. Man. Um, so th this next question says, Oh, husbands, I'm the type of person that says when I'm done, I'm done. Mm. How do I change my mind about my marriage when I've been strongly considering divorce? Mm. Mm. Hmm. Um, 
<laughs> this is one of those things where uh you gonna go body bakum on them. <laughs> well, is it commitment is commitment. You understand what I'm saying? I, I I do get it. I do get it. There are things that drive us there and there are things that take us to the edge. Um, I believe that there are things that you can do to work on that, but you can't expect your mind. Your mind is not going to get changed at the altar. You change your mind. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a magical thing. It's not something that's just going to, you know, come to just, just come to you. You have to go to it. You have to, you have to make the decision, the definitive decision and commitment to say, okay, I got to stick with this. But then after that, how, yeah. what plan do you have? And then after that, how are you planning on executing that plan? Now you can't do it alone. Obviously mm-hmm. it's going to take both of you, but I don't, w- when I hear things that says, when I make up my mind, but how do, do I change my mind? I think it's one of those things where you just do it. You right. just do it because it's right. Not because of how you feel. That's mm-hmm. what commitment is continuing to do what we do regardless of how we feel, but we commit it to it anyway. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I just wanted to jump in. I'm sorry. Go ahead guys. No, Ken, what you said there is so powerful, man, because when we, when we enter into a commitment, then we submit our will not only to the person that we're in connection with, but we submit it to God. Yeah. And, um, I'm actually going through a small group study with our worship department right now called Finding Freedom. And one of the things in there is so powerful. And it says, um, it says that when you submit, you give up your right to be right, right. in order for God to get glory. Right. Right. Like I give up my right to be right. Mm. I want to be right. Right. And in my mind, I may deserve to be right. But is that what God desires? If if it's not a situation, and this is biblical, if it's not a situation where there's abuse, like willful abuse. If it's, there's if there's a situation where both of you are genuinely doing the work, if it's not that situation where you're genuinely both doing the work and it's still just not, it just doesn't come together. If it's just, I just don't like her anymore. Yeah. Or I, I just don't like the way he talks to me. You you give up your right to be right. Yeah. It's not your marriage. It's it's God's. Mm-hmm. So I, I have many thoughts about this. Um, um, some of those thoughts are based upon pastoral experience. And then I'll offer my own um, a testimony. So w- what I have found is that men love applying the 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 disciplines of of Christian followership um, to every area of their lives except the marriage. Come on, we, sir. <laughs> right. We love to talk about what it means to be a great disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, except when it comes to matters pertaining to a marriage. And, and, and I'm not sure if a person can stay in a relationship long without rethinking and reclaiming the witness found in Luke chapter nine, verse 23, where Jesus said to his disciples, and you all know this verse, who, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross daily, not sometimes, mm-hmm. not just when you feel like it, 
Mm. Not when the COVID-19 stimulus check comes in. <laughs> daily, daily, you, you must follow me. And so I have found that um, men have a hard time accepting that the answer to suffering is not always moving away from it. Mm. Right? Sometimes God calls us to endure things we'd rather walk away from. Yes, sir. Right. Sometimes God does that. And so what I try to suggest the men to men who feel as though they're on the brink of divorce, number one, never close a door unless God closes the door. That's number one. Number two, reclaim the spiritual discipline of waiting upon the Lord. Because you'd be surprised what God can do if you just give yourself enough time to allow God to fix something that you can never fix in your own strength. And and number three, seek wise counsel, right? Mm -hmm. Go to a therapist Mm -hmm. and, 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 and then ask yourself if the action that you desire to take will glorify the Lord. And, and I'll, close, I'll close with this. I am under the impression that marriage is a calling. And so I believe that the marriages that endure the best are those marriages when both the husband and the wife can take their mind back to that first moment when they felt a calling experience between themselves and their spouse. The reason why that's so important is because the devil is going to give you a reason and sometimes a very good reason why you should abandon the covenant that you established with your wife or your husband at the altar. And you have to be able to take your mind back to that initial calling experience to remind yourself, no, this isn't a me and her thing. Yeah. This is a God thing. Mm-hmm. That principle, it's, it's applicable for, for ministry as well. right? I tell ministers and pastors all the time, there are going to be seasons when you want to break up from the ministry. And the only thing that's going to sustain you is your ability to take your mind back to that moment in time when you know God called you. And I believe that principle is applicable for marriages as well. Mm. Is the husband able to remind himself, I remember the day when I saw her and God spoke to me. Because I know God spoke to me, I'm going to do the best that I can to remain in this covenant relationship. Uh, I I prayed for a year. to God to show me who my wife would be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for a year, I prayed that specific prayer. And, and I got really specific height, um, um, oh God. Uh, <laughs> Another uh, character traits, attributes. I mean, I broke it up. I, I made a master list. And I said, God, I understand the journey that you've laid before me. I need the right suitable helper to, to, to help me walk through this thing because I can't do it by myself. And God gave me a vision. I saw my wife's face in a dream and, and I was assured in my spirit 
that this was the woman whom God ordained for my life. So a year later, when I saw my wife singing in a young adult choir, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. After the young adult revival, I walked up to her and I said, you're my wife. And she looked at me like I was crazy. What What are you talking about? <laughs> and I said to her, I'm going to prove it to you. I saw you in a vision. I saw your face. I know that God called us to be together. And so the reclaiming of that calling story is what has saved us over 20 years of marriage. Every time the devil wants to show his face, both my wife and I are able to remind each other, baby, God called us. Mm. If we break this thing up, we're going to have to fight with God to do it. Mm. And that's not the type of fight that I want to engage in. Amen. 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 Really quickly, somebody, um, somebody just asked uh, with respect to this question, what if your husband doesn't want to go to counseling, doesn't want to seek wise counsel, doesn't want to pray together mm. and sleeping in another room mm. and still speaking of divorce, um, already been silent, already been trusting God um, that God will either speak to him uh, through someone else, paraphrases, you know, as you choose. Uh, sorry. I just say that I apologize. So, <laughs> someone was basically asking. They want she wants to be there. He basically does not. Mm. Thoughts? Uh, you know, you know that saying: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's right. Yeah. So, in my experience, in my own personal experience, we've been married 15 years. My experience with cup with counseling, you know thousands of hours of counseling couples and stuff. I can't make my wife or anybody do something they don't want to do. Right. right. So the best <laughs> way that I know to, to do that just for myself personally and with couples is like, okay, you be the change that you want to see. You know what I'm saying? If your husband isn't going to church, if your wife is sleeping in another room, all this stuff, you're going to be the best you that you can be and trust God and be faithful and show up every day, yeah. every day. Yeah. You may not know this, but this is part of our story. Melanie and I went through a really, really rough time about eight years ago. So, so rough. She landed a mean right hook right here and left me with a, a really bad bruised eye. Right. I've seen the picture. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not good. And uh, you talk about a low place, right? Hmm about wanting to leave both of us were were done but it wasn't until i was on my knees locked myself in a room crying praying out to god saying god i have nothing i can't control her i can't do anything to her heart to make it change i can change mine god mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, help me and you know what happened about an hour later this was late at night too she came knocking on the door and we prayed together and we hugged she said i'm sorry I'm sorry. I got, I got cold chills just right now. Just listen to that because, you know, I wasn't yelling at her saying, hey, you, you got to change. You got to step it up. No, I trusted God in that process. And then it was a long time of rebuilding, you yeah. know, a very long time of rebuilding. So trust and wait on God in that process. Um, yeah, because it's it's enough. It's enough. You, have you guys ever tried to make somebody else change? Yeah, don't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just going to roll back down. You're going to keep on rolling. 
So that that would be some some advice to um, our friends that uh, texted that in at least. That's powerful. I think one of the things that I learned um, that that's so freeing is understand that we can't change anyone else. Mm-hmm. That is powerful to me, and and that's why I believe that. Uh, that's one of the things that stick out in our marriage is the idea that let them be them, let them, let them be free. And then there's safety around that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's powerful. That's super powerful. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that answers that question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I that's mean, so good. Yeah. Jesus. Um, we had one that came in from the room. And so I don't want to miss the opportunity to answer a question. Just really, if, if, I mean, one of y'all can answer this like really fly. Um, what are the expectations of a wife? Like if you were to say like, what are my expectations of a wife? What would that be? I'm not sure if there's any cooker, cookie cutter response to that type of a question. Yeah. I mean, you can speak in more general terms about character and morality, um, spirituality, loyalty, but beyond that, every everyone's calling is distinctly different one from the other, and and, and so my needs will be totally different from the needs of the other anointed gentlemen who are on the panel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I, I questions like that come from a place of I have expectations that aren't being met. So what should I be expecting? And again, that's unique. First of all, did you, did you receive them or did you receive your expectation of them? My, my talk, sir. That's the first step because all the, all too often. And, and, and I don't know, Seth, have you ever seen this where someone comes to your office and they're, they're, they're upset that that person isn't who they envisioned that person was supposed to be. Absolutely. Yep. They come in and say, Hey, fix, fix this guy over here or she's got the problem. And I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. How are you guys talking about this? You know, we all have different at everyone has different expectations, right? And how do you, and then expectations turn into assumptions and we know what happens there, right? Mm-hmm. So we assume things about our partner. And then when they don't do it, but I didn't tell them that I wanted that, needed that, preferred that, I expect them to do it. I assume, well, you're my wife. You know, this is how my mom did it. This is how my grandma did it, all this stuff. And we assume that role. And that's when things get sideways really quick. So one of the best remedies to that, and we talk about this, talk about your expectations. I mean, specifically, you know, sometimes when I come home at night, me and Melanie, we literally ask each other, you know, it's like five thirty, six o'clock or whatever. We say, hey, what are your expectations for the rest of the night? You know, right. Just so we're on the same page, you know, because I might want to, you know, have have some fun that night, you know, be expecting this. And she's like, yo, I'm going to bed. Don't don't mess with that. I'm taking a bath. You, you put it. You know what I'm saying? So then that's what we're setting ourselves up for cross signals. So just the simple question so I would ask this wife, or maybe she was just saying, what is our general, general expectations of a wife? Uh, which, you know, I, I think we have some pretty pretty shared experience. Of like, you know, okay, you know, be true. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll work as a team. We're, we will co-labor on this. 
these kind of things, but then you can get very specific in those to just ask your partner, what, what, what are your expectations for the next five years, even, you know, or for the next five hours of this evening? Can I, can I just say one more thing? Um, it doesn't matter what our expectations are. If you're not honest to yourself. Mm. Mm -hmm. Come on, sir. The reason why I say that is, is because people are dishonest. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled couples and I'll always ask them every couple that I've married, they'll tell you the same thing. If he doesn't change, if she never changes, are they okay? Would you still marry them? Mm. And they lie. They say, yes, if he doesn't change, I would still marry him. And then a year later, pastor, I don't understand why he won't change. I just asked you <laughs> if he never changed, would he still be OK? And you said, yes, that's why we moved forward. Mm -hmm. Now, on the back end, you want him to be something that he told you he, he could never be mm. because you were dishonest with yourself. Mm. Well, amen. That's, it's like a little moment of silence for somebody's ego just on the floor. Just, I'm just playing. Um, so this next question says, oh, what do you actively do to stay faithful to your wife? How do you regulate yourself when temptation is literally everywhere? Mm. I'm going to let y'all jump on in. <laughs> Before I... I can say this, and I know there's an area where discipline is necessary. Mm -hmm. I know that there's an area where um, we can create barriers for our eyes or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But for me, I genuinely start with wanting my wife and only my wife first. Yeah. I genuinely start with. Just, I want you. So I don't want anyone else. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. Yes. Is any other people are attractive. We're human. Yeah, sure. But I don't want that. I want you. And so that, that internal desire, that fixation on my wife allows me to, um, not for really, to be honest, I don't have to have that hard feeling of discipline. Because I'm, I, she's my habit, if that yeah. makes sense, mm. right? And and that's that's kind of what now. I, I understand, like sh she's also there too, and so I understand that there are some breaks in that habit where when someone doesn't want to be a habit. Mm. Um, so th there's some working on both ends of it, but as far as as I'm concerned, as far as for me, that that's. I can't say it worked for me. That's just who I am. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's a big piece of it. Wanting to make sure that you wanting to make sure that your spouse is the, the object of your affection. Um, yeah. Number two for me is <laughs> building boundaries, but not just, okay. I, it's not just for me. Okay. Don't look at that. Don't call them. Don't do that but literally make sure you've got a squad around you mm -hmm. to keep you accountable. Cause 
I don't, again, I don't, I, I'm speaking specifically from my experience. Sure. I'm, a musician, I'm a singer. I'm, I'm a worship leader. I'm in a lot of areas. And yes, like, I've, we speaking real transparent. I'm praying, uh, for, you. I'm praying for you. Pray for me, Doc. Uh, especially for people, and I'm saying this again just from my experience, it is very difficult sometimes for people to differentiate between spiritual attraction and physical attraction. Right. Just because you made me feel something in the spirit doesn't necessarily mean that that, that shouldn't have meant that I did some. I, I don't. I don't. Amen. Amen. Uh, and um, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people, not just in the religious circles, but in, in just about every circle. A lot of guys still define their manhood off of who they can conquer and who they can conquer and then hide. Mm. And so it's very important to have people around you that are thinking the right way and that will do what's necessary to help you to continue to think the right way. That's right. Um, That's can, yeah, building that community because it can be one small thing can become a very slippery slope. You you make a great point. Um, the idea of community. So what I try to do when I marry when I marry couples is I try to remind them that from a Abrahamic perspective, when 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 the people of antiquity married. The marriage just didn't consist of the husband and wife. Mm. Those vows that were taken and they were much different um, and much more simpler than the type of vows that we've come to know in the institution church today. But the idea was that when you married, you married the, the whole community were active participants in your covenant marriage. Yeah. So if you made the decision that you wanted to break away from your wife, right, you had to deal with the whole community. Everybody might stone you because the marriage wasn't just about you and her or, you know, it was about you, God and us. So it's a lot harder to break up a marriage when you view marriage from the perspective that it's about you, God and us rather than just you yourself. Oh, that's powerful. Now we got, uh, we got three more minutes, babe. We have three more <laughs> minutes. Um, we were supposed to get a 15 minute break before the after party. Um, uh, and so I'll make sure everyone has that, that zoom link um, for the Chicago step and dance class. Um, but uh, we've got one, I'll, I'll throw in one more question. I'll save this other one for tomorrow. Cause I think it can fit um, into, into one of our areas tomorrow. Um, uh, they said after 20 plus years of marriage, sex has become a chore. What are some of the things we can do to make sex an enjoyable experience again? Mm-hmm. Role play. I'm just playing. You, Listen, you got to you got you got to spice it up, baby. You got to. That's all I'm going to say. You got to spice it up, baby. <laughs> Juggling, spinning plates. There are people there are. Sorry. This is not my show. No, it is not. You you have I to be quiet. It's, it's really hard. Go, go. No, no, no. Somebody, somebody. What was that? The husband or the wife they wrote in. <laughs> I we believe. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say let's uh, pretend like it was the husband since it's the husband's panel. OK, um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Pastor. Um, change it up, you know. I mean, you know, sometimes we can even get bored driving the same road to work. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Drive, drive a different uh, road or whatever, you know, like spice it up. Have a talk about it. Be brave about it, you know. There's That's a right. lot of good, uh, you know, I'll be real. There's a lot of good Christian sex therapists out there. That's right. You know, that talk about this, this uh, amazing bond between a, ma- a husband and a wife in a biblical covenant context. And right. there's so much to learn about the, the, the physical, the, the biology, and the spiritual, too. Right. You, know, right. like, you know, you might just be in a spi- spiritual rut, and that's playing out in your intimacy rut, too, to be honest. That's good, Doc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very good. Mm-hmm. They already said it. Spice it up. Do something different. <laughs> get some Frank's hot sauce with it. Yeah. What you and food? Do something different and do it somewhere different, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and pay attention to your diet. Pay attention because you, you can eat things that actually diminish your 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 sexual proficiency. So become accustomed with the the type of foods that provoke sexual vigor in you. You know, rather than eat the foods that actually diminish your desire to be intimate with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, this is so wow. good. Like, I really don't want to end this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like, this is, <laughs> wow, Jesus. Um, so listen, y'all. Um, we are about to leave here. So we're, we're trying to give you a 15 minute break because we're going to change scenery. Um, and we want to jump to the after party. So um, the dance instructor gave us some tips for dancing. Before I jump there, though, you guys, thank you. Can y'all put some proverbial hand claps in here for these four amazing gentlemen? And I'm including you because, sorry, there's a four of y'all. It's four of y'all. I'm looking right. Yes, four, yeah. um, like, seriously, all of you just had something amazing to say. And again, to sit here and just like make noises of like oh my god very challenging you guys were amazing i'm so excited so thank you for this um i really hope this is not the last time we can do something like this because i really do feel like um people did get a lot out of this there was um yeah everybody said it was so good there was a lot of wows and this is good going all throughout this so thank you thank you for listening to the ask the martins podcast recorded live on social media and distributed to itunes soundcloud Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Now, we can't grow without you, so help spread the love. Wherever you found us, rate, like, share, and leave a review. We are grateful to you and appreciate you in advance. Do you have a question for us? Then visit askthemartins.com. Ask us your question or ask for a friend. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Ask the Martins Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.